Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I'm going to continue my series, Perfect Power for Imperfect People. How many are thankful that a perfect God still works on all of us imperfect people? Come on. How many of you know a Christian that's still under construction? I didn't ask you to point. I just asked you, do you know one? How many are thankful that God's not through with you yet right now? Oh, yeah. Aren't you thankful that this perfect God puts his perfect power in our imperfect lives? If we miss this truth, it's, it's the fundamental shift in the entire New Testament that God has come to dwell in human beings. It's absolutely amazing. Listen, when you and I put our faith in Christ, we don't get religion. How many are thankful you didn't get religion? You know, do you know that Christianity is not even a religion? Got you quiet now, don't I? Listen, I'm a born again, spirit filled, Holy Ghost, Jesus following, devil kicking, Bible believing Christian, and I'm not religious. I'm not religious at all. So what do you mean, Pastor? Well, if, if, if Christianity is not a religion, what are you saying? Well, religion is a man-made system based on work and effort to try to earn the favor of a distant God. Religion is a man-made system based on human works. Christianity was not written on earth, based on earth. Christianity is not about a human being earning his way to God. Christianity was God coming all the way to where we are first, paying the price on the cross for our sins, doing what we could not do. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship with Almighty God by putting my faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. When I accept Christ as my Savior, I didn't get religion. I received the power of a perfect God to dwell in my life. Is that amazing? It's amazing to me that He took that risk on every one of us. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Let me modernize that a little bit. In other words, we have this impeccable, perfect uh, treasure living inside of these broken down, wrecked up bodies. Come on, messed up minds, all this stuff we had. God said, you know, you're a mess, but I'm going to step in the middle of it and we'll just start right where you are. Hey, come on. See, a lot of people have never gotten anywhere with God because they keep denying the mess they are. They keep blaming someone for the mess they're in. They keep pointing their finger. Somewhere, sometime, you come to a place and say, God, I've done everything I know to do and I'm no further along. If you can take me, here I am. And the good news is you don't get religion. You receive the power of God in your life. How many are thankful for that today? I don't like religion, but I sure love Jesus. (laughs) I, I I don't like all those rituals, but I sure do love Jesus. And I'm thankful for who he is and what he's done. So I want to give you an illustration today. I'm excited about this and and, and I'm going to I might preach a little fast. Is that okay? Reach down there, turn your hearing up, aid up to to chipmunk level. Okay. So, because I got a lot to say in a, in a relatively measured amount of time. So today, here's what I want to do to continue to illustrate this amazing thing, this truth. That there's perfect power for imperfect people. I'm, I'm going to uh, show you two examples of this today. All right? 
I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to look at two men who, who, had, uh, who were very imperfect but encountered the perfect power of God. They were very similar in their beginning. As they first encountered this perfect power, their beginnings were very similar. But when you go to the final chapter of their life, are you with me? It was radically different. We need to learn something from this today. Okay? Now we're going to begin with Saul, the first king of Israel. I have you in 1 uh, Samuel chapter 9. I said, I said 10. And I think I messed everybody up. I'm looking right here. I, I, I want you to go to uh, 1 Samuel 9 and verse 17. I've already messed my, my media team up. I just realized what I gave them. But they're, they're, they're super sharp and smart. 1 Samuel 9, 17 is where I'm going to begin. So we're going to begin with Saul. Now Saul, we're going to see here, was very outwardly impressive. He was tall. I mean, he would have been a, he would have gotten a, million dollar contract let me, let me back up he would have gotten an nil agreement coming out of junior high school okay he was that tall he would have signed a multi-million dollar nba contract he would have skipped college and gone straight into the nba how many are with me right now he, he was head and shoulders taller than anyone else he was very impressive in his outer appearance right he was initially a very humble young man we first find him serving his father, doing what his father had asked him to do. He was, he was outwardly impressive. He was following along, helping his father. Uh, his father's donkeys had run off. And so, and so uh, Saul's out helping bring them back. But we also find out about Saul that, that although he was outwardly impressive and that he was in a home and a family whose father he was teaching him how to work, there was an inner thing that Saul dealt with. He was very insecure. He, he struggled with his identity. And so that's how he came to God. Completely unaware of God's plan for his life. So I'm, I'm going to read in 1 Samuel 9 verse 17. Okay, now, now God had sent the prophet Samuel. I'm not reading yet. To find this young man and anoint this first king. Alright, so here we are. 1 Samuel 9, verse 17. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? That was a term commonly used for prophet in the Old Testament. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place for today you are to eat with me and in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys that you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They've been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned if not to you and all your father's family? Saul answered, but I, am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? So there's his first encounter. This young, impressive man encounters his destiny, the beginning of the call of God on his life. But all he can think about is that I'm unqualified. I don't belong. You've got the wrong God. Why did you even say this to me? 
My family's lacking. My tribe is lacking. I, I, I deal with this insecurity and inferiority. Can I tell you something today? I've got some good news for all of us imperfect people. God is not intimidated by where we start. God is not intimidated by who you are when you first give your life to Him. God is not intimidated by all the human uh, inabilities that, that you are dealing with. Because why? Saul was about to experience the power of God. He was about to encounter something that would radically change the course of his life. I want you to understand with me today that God has a purpose for your life. How many of you could say amen to that? You're not just walking around sucking up oxygen, taking up space, leaving a carbon footprint. You are here by the design of Almighty God. Saul was not aware of that. So how do we move this young, insecure man into a place to lead the nation of Israel? Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 1. So how does he go from there to the kingship? 1 Samuel 10.1 Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? So to begin this process, to move into the purpose of God for his life, this insecure and, and, and young man struggling with his identity, see, God knew he could entrust him because he was going to empower him. Now, I've said that before in this series, and I want to say it again. I wish I could put a mirror in front of your face right now, and I want to say to you today, God entrusts you because He can empower you. God's not afraid to connect with you and lead you into your purpose on this earth because He's confident in what His power can do in your life. How many are listening to me today? So He says, He anoints Him. What what does that look like? Let's go to verses 6 and 7, same chapter. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you how? In power. What happens then? And you will prophesy with them. Watch this. And you will be changed into a different person. Ah. Once these signs are fulfilled, look at this. Do whatever your hand finds to do for God is with you. Let's drop down to verse 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God, what he had just promised, changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. He had a power encounter. This insecure young man who couldn't recognize his outer dominance because of his inward insecurity needed something to position him to fulfill the purpose of God in his life. I want you to realize today... That you and I may never be anointed to be a king or a queen or a president or a vice president or a senator or a governor. But I want you to know that your God, my God, our God put you on this earth for a reason. Wrote a plan for you while you were in your mother's womb. And even if somebody told you you were an accident, you were unplanned, you were unwanted. God wanted you. God planned you. God chose you. And if you will submit your life to Him, you will have a power encounter that will possess you to be everything God designed you to be. Most of the failures in life, most of the people that are bound and struggling and, and rebellious and running from God and hiding under all this myriad of excuses that are available today are people who are just intimidated 
to believe that God can do everything he said. So accept the counterfeits. So let's look at verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you? I love this. This is the first time in scripture. Listen to me, God. I'm not just preaching to the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. Everybody with me right now? I'm not just talking to the kings and the queens. I'm talking to you today. Because this was the first time in scripture that that holy oil had ever been poured on anyone other than a priest. What you need to understand today is that your calling, your purpose, your reason for being on this planet and the reason God connected you to this church doesn't matter what earthly title you have. Doesn't matter where you are in this hierarchy of, of titles. What I need you to know is God has the power for your individual purpose. God has an anointing with your name on it. Does anybody want that anointing today? I know it's Memorial Day weekend, but can somebody rise up in their faith right now? Come on. Come on. Quit thinking about the hot dogs and the hamburgers and the grill and the swimming pool and the golf. Come on right now. Look at me today. I'm telling you there is an individual anointing for your purpose today. God has that for us today. I'm thankful for that today. Look at verse number 6. What does that look like? The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. How do we receive this power? How are we empowered and equipped for God's purpose in our life? The Holy Spirit comes on us. The Holy Spirit comes on us. Do you understand the Holy Spirit is, is, is the hands-on operative of the triune God for New Testament believers? Do you understand if we were to look at the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we, we could define it many ways, but one way to maybe help us, we, we would look at Father God as the executive of the Godhead. We could look at Jesus the Son as the architect of the Godhead. Everything that was made, he came, he made. But we look at the Spirit of God as the contractor of the triune Godhead. He's the one down here in the trenches. Come on, how many understand what I'm saying? He's got his hands on you, molding you, shaping you, building you, putting the church together, making the house of God. See, he said, how am I going to become this man you're telling me? He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. He's going to come on you with power. He's going to bring an element into your life that, that, that no one else can bring there. I love the question Moses said to God in Exodus 32. He said, what else? Who else? How will it separate us from all the peoples of the earth unless your spirit is with us today? How many hear what I'm saying today? How do you and I get from point A to point B in our spiritual journey no matter where we started? The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. I pray every one of us in this room today, you're saying, God. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. How do you move from that, that man you don't want to be to the man you need to be? The power of the Holy Spirit. How do you become the woman you dreamed you could be instead of the one life is telling you you are? The power of the Holy Spirit. How does your marriage move from divorce court to the court of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords through the power of the Holy Spirit? How do your boys and girls that are being pulled on by the world call, telling them to compromise and go with this pressure that's around them? How do they get out of that? The power of the Holy Spirit. How do you build a church in 2020 with, with with all the, 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 the 2022, I can't know where I am today, with all this stuff that's raging around us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, Saul. 
God's not intimidated where you started. He knows where he's taking you. He's willing to put perfect power in imperfect people. He's willing to start right where you are. I, I love this this phraseology in, in, in the Hebrew of this verse where he says here, the, in English it says, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. I, I don't even, uh, yeah, here, okay, got, you got that translation. Many of them say the spirit of God will powerfully come upon you. Power, powerfully come upon you. Th- th- this, this is what it says. That word means to push forward, to push forward, to advance. I like that. In other words, he said, Saul, you're standing over here in doubt and insecurity. But the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Are you with me? And push you into the next season of your life. How many need a little Holy Spirit push in your life today? Had intimidation, fear, obstacles. These things. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you powerfully. He's going to advance you. He's going to push you. He's going to empower you. Have you ever seen a car run out of gas in the intersection? What happens if there's nice people around? They get out of their cars and they get behind it. And what do they do? They push you. Do you know when you ran out of gas serving God and the world drained you and said, it's over, it's done, you're through, it's never going to work. I've got some good news for you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you powerfully and get behind you and push you from where you've stopped to where you need to be. We need a Holy Spirit push in the church today. Come on. We need something to push us. From where we are. Now, now, now watch this. He said, their spirit will come upon you and you will prophesy with them. Now, you know, literally, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, Saul, so mightily that you're going to speak the things of God. You're, you're going to begin to declare the words of God. It, this was momentary. The prophetic word, the prophecy was, was spontaneous and momentary. We'll say something else in a moment. But he said, what's going to happen? You're going to say the things of God. We're, we're, we're going to hear you prophesy. Can I tell you something today? I've about heard enough of everything else but the word of Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty for the Word of God. I'm hungry for the Word of God. That's what the world hears us say. We've had enough foolishness spoken in our culture right now. I'm tired of all the solutions that man's throwing at us. I'm tired of all the rhetoric. I'm tired of both political parties. I'm tired of politics. I'm tired of lies. I'm tired of arguing. I'm tired of finger pointing. I want to hear a word from God. My soul longs for a word of God. Do you know who you are and I am and we are? We're not haters, finger pointers, accusers, gossipers, complainers. We speak the word of Almighty God. We have come to such a place in this country that before the tears have dried from the faces of the parents, Who lost those precious children in Texas. The political parties come swooping in like a pack of vultures. And they're blaming and pointing and complaining. And I'm here to tell you we're better than that. We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have healing. We have a word from God. I don't need any more of that finger pointing, blaming, division, griping stuff. I want to see a woman of God walk into the middle of the crisis and speak the word of God. I want to see a man of God walk in the middle of the chaos of our nation. 
I refuse to take a side, point a finger, have a human solution. Do you know what we need? We need the Holy Spirit to change the life of the young men pulling the trigger before they get into the situation. We need homes full of godly people who are leading their family in the right direction. We need to hear a word from the Lord today. We are like in the days when Samuel was put in the house of Eli. The word of God's become rare in this country today. But I declare we're under the spirit of Almighty God. And he is pushing us out of this log jam that we are in. And we're the church. And we're unashamed of the gospel of Jesus. And we're going to speak his word. They need to hear the word. We need to hear the word. I may made everybody in the place mad. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to face anybody on this planet <clears throat> when I stand in heaven. Just one. If he says, well done, I'm good. I'm good. We have to speak the word. What are you saying? What are your conversations? Who's dragging you in their pit? Remember my dad when I was a young man. He said, son, if you get in the pig pen and wrestle with a pig in about five minutes, they can't tell you from the pigs. (laughs) There's a lot of Christians looking like pigs right now. We need to climb out of that mess. We need to speak the word of God. I've had enough about that. He said, not only are you going to prophesy, he said, you're going to be changed into a different person. Now listen, prophesy is momentary. It's a change in your mouth. But what he said, it's not going to stop there. huh? It's not just how you talk, it's how you walk. See, he said, because not only are you going to prophesy, he said, I'm going to change you into a different person. See, our world needs to see that today. They need to hear the word, but they need to see the light. Come on, is anybody with me right now? I love this change of a different person it means listen, it means that you literally turned about and walked in a different direction. Do you know that's the meaning of the word repent? Do you know repent doesn't mean I'm sorry I got caught. Repent doesn't mean, well, I'm sorry. Repent doesn't mean I shouldn't have done that. No, I haven't repented until this was the direction I walk in. I said I had enough of that. I'm going to start walking in this direction. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, it'll change your heart. You'll turn around and walk a different way. You'll move in a different direction. You'll follow a different way in your life. I, I, I love this so much. It, listen, it, this word says a, a different person. It means another person. It means the person who's following. Oh, in other words, right now, you've been going here, but there's another person coming. There's somebody coming you haven't seen yet. There's a person in you that the Holy Spirit is going to bring up. You think you're saw, insecure, don't know who I am, not worthy to do this thing. But when the Spirit of God comes on you in power, He'll make another person out of your life. How many are thankful for that? And then verse 7, Lord have mercy, i got to move. Verse 7 says this, once these signs are fulfilled, man, I love this. I love this initiative. Come on, church. We've been stuck in neutral too long in the body of Christ. See, watch this. Once these signs are fulfilled, in, look at this, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Did you read that with me? He said, you got the power. Now go do something with it. I think the question for our church today is, what are we doing with the power of God? What are we doing with the power of God? Just saying, I got it, I got it? Is it just our doctrine? 
Is it just what we say? Look at Acts 10, 38. He said, you can do this because God is with you. I love this verse. What did Jesus do? Look at this. How God anointed. We're reading about the anointing. Jesus of Nazareth what? with what? Holy Spirit and power. Sound like Saul. And what did Jesus do? He went around doing good. <laughs> and healing all who run the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. Well, he says here, do whatever your hand finds to do because God is with you. So I'm asking the church, what are we doing? We're anointed. We're empowered. God is with us. So what are we doing? Well, I got up and came to church today. Well, I'm thankful for that. I really am because a lot of folks can't do that. Isn't that sad? God's with them. Full of the Holy Spirit. Can't get their behind up out of bed. Pardon my language. So what are we doing? What are we doing with the power of God? Who are we praying for? Who are we talking with? Who are we sharing with? Who are we moving out with? Whose yard are we mowing? Whose offense are we forgiving? <laughs> what conversation have we walked away from? What prayer have we given? Come on, did I lose everybody right now? What are we doing? See, you go, go, just go do it. Just go do it. Well, you know, if the Lord leads me. You know what? We've got this thing in the church called a burden. I just don't have a burden for that. You know what a burden is? A burden is an emotional kick in the seat of the pants to do what the Word of God already told us to do. Well, I just don't have a burden for that. Mm, 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 mm. What does the Word say? What does the Word say? Come on, he says, what can you do? Whatever you do, just go do it. You can do whatever you want to do. Why? Because God's with you. Is anybody with me right now? Because God is with me. Because He's with me. Now, let's, let's look at this. What a beginning. What a beginning. What an amazing transformation. He becomes king. God anointed him. God changed his heart. Saul becomes the king of Israel. He defeats their enemies. The Philistines, if you say the name Saul, they run in terror. The Philistines, if you bring his name up, they hide. They, they can't face this mighty man of God. They can't deal with him. He, he, he has been anointed and chosen and he's successful. It, 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 it's, it's amazing what he's doing. But, but, but look at this obstacle he had to cross. Look at 1 Samuel 10, verse 20. Even though he was anointed. <laughs> 1 Samuel 10, verse 20. Even though God's hand was on him. Remember all those insecurities? Remember that, that identity crisis? So here's his day to be anointed king. Look at verse 20. When Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near the tribe, Benjamin was chosen. They're casting a lot. Who's going to be the king? Nobody knew but Samuel and Saul. Verse 21, then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan. Matri's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. <laughs> so they inquired for the Lord. Has the man come here yet? Where is he? Look at this. And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Yeah, the man that I chose is here. The man that I anointed is here. The woman that has been received perfect power is here, but they're hiding in the baggage. Come on, are you with me? They're hiding in the junk they've been picking up through life. They got the call, they got the anointing, they got the opportunity, but they're hiding behind all the failures and the pain, what people have said and insecurity. Are you with me right now? How many of us have been chosen, called, anointed for the moment, and we're hiding in the baggage. We're, we're, we're underneath the stuff life put on us. Call anybody with me right now. See, what you need to know today, let me encourage you, is that 
there's enough God in you today to get you over whatever is blocking you from the next season in your life. Did anybody hear that? There is enough power in you to get you over what's stopping you from the next place in your life. Don't let the baggage be your last chapter. Don't let the baggage be where you stop. Everybody's got some. Come on, somebody say it's true. It's true. Everybody's got some. So so maybe you're here at the verge of a new moment. But the baggage, you're hiding in the baggage. Are you with me? You're saying, I can't, I can't. Maybe we start need to say, he can, he can. Maybe you're here saying, well, why am I going through this moment in my life? We all have those moments. Why, why, why am I so depressed right now? Why am I so afraid right now? Why am I so insecure right now? Do you know that God has a door? God has a place, Saul's at a door. God has a door for you to step into that next place in your life. God has an open door. Someone say open door. God has an open door for you to step into the next place in your life, the purpose in your life. Do you know that God opens a door that what? No man can close. But standing at your doorway is probably a devil. (laughs) How many heard what I just said? Standing at your doorway is probably a distraction. Standing at your doorway is probably a detour. Standing between you and your doorway is probably some baggage. Maybe you failed before. Maybe you blew it before. Maybe people have let you down. But can I tell you something to encourage you today? You say, well, pastor, if God opened a door, why is a devil standing by that door? Let me tell you something. The size of the devil by your door is an indication of how great the assignment is that God has put on your life. It doesn't matter how big the devil is. God's bigger. It doesn't matter the distraction at the door. God's got a plan. We need to recognize that. Listen to what I'm saying. Are we going to be defined by what stopped us or defined by what we overcame? Am I going to live my life with my problems or say it's time for my purpose to come into place in my life? Anybody with me today? See, we have to realize that that, that God planted, God planted your purpose, your destiny inside of you. And there are going to be times in life where it seems like this is never going to happen. It's it's never going to work. It's died. Listen, God's purpose in you isn't buried. It's just planted. (laughs) Don't you walk away from your harvest. It's going to come. You may be like Abraham. He was 99 years old. Come on. 100 years old when the harvest named his son Isaac came walking in the door. You may have to wait. It's worth the wait. You may have to be faithful, but in due season, your harvest is going to come. You may get up out of the baggage and the devil say to you, what in the world do you think you're doing? What makes you think you can climb out of this baggage and do what God told you to do? Because if God is for me, in me, with me, there is nothing too hard to do. And somebody needs to hear this and say, listen, you need to know this. There will always be people. Who are not going to go with you when you step through that door into the next season of your life. Are you with me? Listen to me. Whoever has just left you. I'm talking to somebody right now. Whoever has walked away from you was evidently not part of God's plan for the next season in your life. If they left you, they're not in the plan. If they walked off from you, they are not in the next season. Now listen to me. I didn't say they were the devil. I didn't say they were rotten and sorry. 
I just said evidently they weren't part of the plan. So what are you and I going to do? We're going to walk through the door. We're going to get up out of the baggage. You want to lay in the baggage? Lay in the baggage. You don't want to go with me? I'm still going. See, it doesn't mean all those things. Here's what you need to say. It just means this. God doesn't build my life on the people who left me. Just keep walking. Just get up out of the baggage. And that's what Saul did. And for a period of time, it was absolutely amazing how God used that man. But something happened to him. It's shocking. Church, we need to hear this today. It's not just how I start. It's not just what God did to get me out of the baggage and put me into the next season in my life. Listen to me closely. People don't preach this stuff today. But what happened to him is that pride began to enter his life. Saul began to think he could do what only God had done for him. Saul began to grow accustomed to the presence of God and take it for granted. Saul began to fear man more than he feared God. His men said, where's Samuel? You need to do something. Samuel's not here. And because he feared his men and feared the moment, he steps out of his place and he offers a sacrifice to God that only the priest was supposed to do. He began to force the issue and, and reject the word of God and fear man instead of fear God. And pride began to come into his life. And he even got to a place where he said, well, if God's not going to answer my prayer today, I'm going to go find a fortune teller and see what she can tell me today. And this man who was called out of nowhere and anointed with the power of God and given an opportunity unparalleled has now we read about him The Spirit of God has left his life. Maybe one of the saddest statements in the word. The Spirit of God has left his life. And so what happened to him? Can I tell you how you identify people who once had the anointing and don't have it anymore? Can I tell you what the the, uh, job description or, 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 or what you find when a person started in the anointing and moves out from underneath? What has Saul become? He became bitter. He became jealous. He became insecure. He began to accuse. He began to resent those that had the anointing of God on their life. Anybody listening to me right now? He refused to come back to God. He died an utter failure. And his sons died by his side on the mountain. When you walk off from the anointing in the presence of God. And you refuse to come back. Oh, he had opportunities. The ultimate chapter was horrible. But I'm not through. There's one more man. His name's Peter. And I'll condense this because that's all I can do. Peter was very much like Saul. He had no idea when he was mending his nets on the shores of the Sea of Galilee one day that his life was about to change. And Jesus walked up and said, could I borrow your boat? And he said, okay. And Jesus preached in the boat. And he, he wanted to, to bless Peter, he said, so now put your boat out in the deep water. I'm gonna, you're going to catch some fish, you know. And he said, well, I'm the fisherman. You're the preacher. I, we fished all night, couldn't catch anything. But because you said it, let's go fish. And so they bring the fish in and the boat started to sink. And Peter falls on his knees in the boat. He says, my God, yeah, uh, uh, don't kill me. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm in a boat with a, with a man of God and I don't belong in a boat with a man of God. He said, please, God. He had no idea. He was an imperfect man. His first encounter with Jesus, he wanted Jesus to leave. 
His first encounter with Jesus, he wanted Jesus to run away. But Jesus took that imperfect man and said, I'm going to make something out of you, Peter. And he began to walk him through life. And we're going along and it's near his time to be crucified. It's almost three years later and, and, and Jesus has him up in Caesarea Philippi in northern Israel and he's wanting to make sure they got it together because he's about to begin his march to Jerusalem and he, he says, now, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah and some say you're this prophet. And oh, Peter stood up. He said, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're the one who's come from the Father. And Jesus said, Simon, you're right. But the flesh didn't reveal that to you. The Spirit of God. It may have been the first time Peter ever made an A on a theology test for the whole three years. That he walked with Jesus. It's looking good. It's Peter's high moment. Peter, you're right. The Holy Spirit's working in you. Oh, Peter's chest has popped out. He's feeling good. You know, Peter, he was impetuous, wasn't he? He was up and he was down. None of you like that. He made promises he couldn't keep. Nobody here has ever done that. He was quick to obey and quick to run off. Nobody here has ever done that. And so Peter, in that same chapter, say same chapter, Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. He says, whoa, no. No, 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 no. Now remember, he just went to first chair in discipleship. Chair one. Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. He said, no, 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 no. You're not going to the cross. God forbid you ever do that. And Jesus looked at him and said, Satan, get behind me. Now, how do you go from first chair to kicked out of the band in 10 verses? Because it's Peter. Peter goes, fast forward. We go to the Last Supper. Jesus, if all these bums forsake you, not me. If all these losers walk up, no, 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 I'll die for you. He said, really, you do that? He said, yes, I will. He said, okay, we'll see. He denies him. A few days later, he goes fishing and said, forget the call of God on my life. Forget preaching. Forget apostleship. Forget the kingdom. Forget Jesus. I'm going to take care of myself again. But there was an encounter. Jesus came and found him. Some of you here in this room today because he came and found you after you had blown it. You're here today because of the mercy of God. You ripped it up 15 ways. You broke every promise you ever made. I'm talking to you right now. He did everything. You did everything you could to mess this up. But Jesus said, I'm not giving up on this boy. He said, I'm going to do something with you. I've got a call on your life. i got a plan for you. And he pulled him out of that fishing boat for the second time. Come on. And said, you need to get in a prayer meeting. You need to get back to Jerusalem. I've got something waiting on you. And in an upper room in Acts chapter 2, this up and down impetuous on and off Peter encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. And God did what he said he would do from Saul to now. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and I'm going to change your heart and you're going to become a different man and this fearful running hiding Peter walked up on the day of Pentecost and answered the crowd and preached the gospel and 3,000 people got saved you go to Acts chapter 5 he's become the head of the church in Jerusalem he's the apostle of the church and the Bible says in Acts 5 when he walked down the street they would get sick people and run and lay them out on the sidewalk and if a shadow hit them lame people got up cancer fell off blind people saw this was a man what happened to him the power of the Holy Spirit came in the life of an imperfect man why did Jesus not give up on him why is he not giving up on you and me because he knows no matter where we start 
No matter the liabilities associated with us. If we will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll change us into someone new. Saul died. Broken. Wrecked his family. Because he walked off from the anointing. Peter stayed with it. Lived for God. We read it was somewhere between 66 and 68 A.D. Under the wicked, demonic Roman emperor Nero. Who was persecuting the church. They're going to execute Peter. Why? Because he wouldn't run away. Because he wouldn't close his mouth. Because he wouldn't stop prophesying. Because he was no longer ashamed of the gospel. Why? He'd encounter the power of God. They said, we're going to crucify you, Peter. We're going to crucify you like Jesus. You're a Jesus man. You're going to die like Jesus. And you know what Peter said? He said, I'm not ashamed to die for my Savior. But I'm not worthy to die like he died. Turn my cross upside down. And crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to even die like he died. And here was a man who couldn't keep his act together for ten verses. Here was a man who would promise and two hours later he'd break his promise. Here was a man who said I'll never turn my back on you. And did it three times in one night. Here was a man that everybody did the side eye on all the time. But when push came to shove. When the power of the Holy Spirit came in him. When God found a man who was willing, he began to change him from the inside out. And as his life went on, it got better and better. Anybody listening to me today? He didn't get old and cranky. He didn't become cold in his faith. He didn't become prideful in the miracles. He didn't take upon him what only God had done. I I, I want you to see this verse. This last verse. This is what happened again and again. And I want the worship team to come. This is what I'm praying God does for me today. And you today. Look at Psalm 92 and verse 10. Passion translation. I love this. Look at this. Your anointing has made me strong and mighty. You've empowered my life for triumph. Look at this. By pouring fresh oil over me. I want you to know there's not just one anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's not just one baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want you to know, church, if you want to get out of your baggage, if you want to step into your purpose, if you want to become the woman you promised God you'd be, if you want to become the man you promised God you'd be, if you want to see God's destiny in your life become a reality, I can tell you how it will happen. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and God will change your heart and you'll be a different person and I pray today for you for me my prayer oh God pour fresh oil all over me today thank you for listening to today's podcast you can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages if today's message has blessed you please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org